will be reading for you John chapter 19. John's recording of the crucifixion. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him with a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and purple robe, Pilate said to them, said to them Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and went back inside to the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at the place known as the, stove, at the stone pavement. It was the day of preparation of the Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered him. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now complete and so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stick of hyssop of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it gave testimony, and his testimony was true. He knows that he tells the truth, and and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And, as another scripture says, They will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial custom. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. I'd like to give you a moment just to have a few moments reflection personally on the scripture that was read. Your mind may go to something in specific that was read and uh, let, your, let your heart and your mind go there um, and see what the Lord wants to just speak to you in your own heart. So just take a moment of silence and uh, just reflect on John 19. Lord, there's a soberness about this evening, and as it should be. You read a chapter like John 19, and that doesn't even cover everything of the events that transpired on Good Friday. Thank you for the sense of soberness here. Sometimes we can so quickly gloss over and move forward as uh, Pastor Tom mentioned as he opened 
that we scarcely take a moment to just let it hit our heart, the kinds of things that took place on Good Friday. And so we just ask that there would be things, because we've slowed down and we feel the soberness in the room even, that there would be things that hit our hearts in a very deep and profound way that allow us to see how desperate the human heart really is, that this was necessary. And the extent of love that you have for us, for all that transpired and you sent your son here to go through on our behalf. And so may tonight's reflections have their way in our hearts. Our time of communion, may it be particularly meaningful as we take the bread in our hands, as we dip it into the, to what represents the blood of Christ. Thank you for this meaningful time as a family of believers tonight. Uh, Would you speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Well, over this Lent season, uh, we've done a little bit more as a church family with the whole idea of Lent. God's spoken to me some very profound things, I think, uh, throughout this season. Lent is designed to be a time really of sifting. Uh, How many of you like to be sifted? Being sifted by God is hard. It really is. Uh, And there have been some practices that I've picked up during this time. We've, we've encouraged as a church to pick up some practices. Maybe some of you have been doing the essential practices or other things throughout Lent. Others, uh, you may have also laid some things down, maybe some, some sacrifices. And God uses those kinds of things to sift us. And I, I've, been, uh, I've learned a lot uh, this Lent of how this time, and it's six weeks long. All right, six weeks long, 40 days, not counting Sundays. And it's not an easy time to let God have his way in our hearts. Uh, so Good Friday moves us really closer towards the end uh, of the Lent time. And as we think about Good Friday at the tail end of the Lent season, Good Friday really is a tremendous paradox. You think about what we just read in John chapter 19. We didn't uncover it all either. There's four other Gospels that have tremendous detail of what transpired as Jesus went to the cross. We didn't even read John chapter uh, 18. There was betrayal that took place. Imagine the critical moment of your life and you're betrayed by everyone. Imagine having to stand in front of people who are accusing you the highest authority and standing before them and being pounded with questions and and having to answer those. Uh, We had a tremendous experience. Uh, It was kind of a hands-on stations of the cross uh, in the children's area. That's also open on Easter Sunday morning. So if you want to come a little bit early to kind of experience some of those stations, but I'm wearing on my hand a very little leather cord 
It was the station where we focused on the scourging that Jesus went through. And it's so flimsy on my wrist. And it be, the flimsiness of it spoke vastly to me of the, it wasn't a flimsy whip that scourged Jesus. It wasn't. It was a device designed to really get into your body. And I just thought, wow, just this flimsy cord. And it was anything but a flimsy cord. You know, so there's, uh, there's a lot uh, that, uh, that's a part of Good Friday. One of the stations that meant the most back there to me was there was a, a piece of paper and you were to write down an insult that you had received sometime in your lifetime. And you recognize, wow, like, you know, something came to my mind, I wrote it down. And, and I could feel the sting of even that. And then I realized the sort of insults that were thrown at Jesus. Uh, that was at the first part of John 19. As people jeered him, oh, you're the son of God, right? All the way till the end. Well, come down off that cross. If that's who you, if that's who you say you are, right? All these insults. And I just, it, I don't know, it connected for me. And it reminds me, okay, Good Friday, really? How could it be labeled Good Friday? The paradox of all paradoxes. A paradox is simply two opposing thoughts that could never fit together. Or at least they don't seem to be able to fit together. Well, I want to walk through a couple of main ideas tonight. Um, about how Good Friday truly is one of the greatest spiritual paradoxes that I think exists. I want to begin by talking about, there's some things on the screen that'll kind of help you follow along. Uh, I want to focus in on the cross that only Jesus could carry. The cross that only Jesus could carry. There is a tremendous reality that the things that Jesus went through and walked through and the particular nature of who he is and what he came to do all represent the cross that only Jesus uh, could carry. Only Jesus faced temptations of every kind and yet never sinned. Jesus is a very unique person. He's the God-man. And as the God-man, he faced temptations of every kind. The nature of all the temptations that you know in your own life that draw you in, that you know, okay, I've crumbled under the weight of some of these. Jesus endured those. He walked through them in a very human way, just like us. And the scripture says in Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. The cross that Jesus, only Jesus could carry is because he experienced the full weight of temptation and yet remained whole before God the Father, obeyed completely. That's why he is the only one who could carry that cross. The second thought here, only Jesus completely followed the Father's will. He's the only one right? Are there things you know that God wants you to follow in? And have you perfectly followed? Of course, 
we all recognize and know, no way, we haven't. John 17, 4 says, or John 4, 34, so at the front end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus says this to kind of declare what his role is. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So that's what he said at the beginning. And then towards the end in John 17, this is what he says. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. You see, only Jesus completely followed his father's will. Only Jesus is the son of God, right? That's why the religious leaders in John 19 said, what, we have to crucify him. Why? Because he claimed to be the son of, of God. Only Jesus is the son of God. It was spoken of him by his heavenly father, a voice that Jesus heard as well as others. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The cross only Jesus could carry is because he is the son of God. Only Jesus is an acceptable substitute. He's the only acceptable substitute. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Do you see the substitute there? The righteous the one who is the son of God, the one who felt all the weight of temptation and didn't sin, the one who followed perfectly this very difficult will of the heavenly father, the righteous for the unrighteous. He's the only one who was an acceptable substitute uh, for us. There was a cross that only Jesus could carry, isn't there? I want to ask you this question as we think about the cross only Jesus could carry the cross only he could carry what happens when we start carrying the cross that only Jesus could carry what happens to us when we start carrying the cross that was only meant for him you see when we're hanging on to our sin when we're hanging on to our brokenness, we carry all kinds of shame around, don't we? When we're the ones bearing the weight of our own sin, right, because it's still on us, don't you feel shame? And we carry that shame around. And so when we're trying to carry the cross that was only, only he could carry, then we're weighed down. We're weighed down by our own shame. You know if somebody, you know when you, if you've ever gotten caught in the middle of something, right? What happens? You can't look that person in the eye. Your head goes down. You think, oh, you can't even say what happened. You don't even want to face what, what really is in front of you to face, right? And so if we continue to be the ones holding on and carrying the cross that only Jesus could carry for us, then we keep bearing our own shame. But when Jesus is carrying it for us, then guess what? That shame is lifted, isn't it? And we experience freedom. When we're the one carrying the cross only Jesus can bear, we experience separation from God, don't we? We experience isolation, not only from, from God, but also from ourselves, right? 
Aren't we disconnected and isolated from ourselves when there's things between us and God? Isn't it true that, man, I really can't even feel my own heart anymore? Sometimes it gets that far along, doesn't it? I just had a friend say to me, he said, you know what, Jeff, I feel so lost. I feel so lost. And part of that lostness, I know it's been wrestling with God. And there's some things that he's carrying that's only meant to be carried that only can be carried by Jesus. And isn't it true when there's things between us and God and we're disconnected from ourselves because the weight of our sin is still on us, doesn't it disconnect us from other people? It creates a distance. It may not be one where you're not in relationship with the person, but emotionally you can feel it. And those are some of the impacts when we're carrying the weight of our own sin instead of letting Jesus carry it. It's meant to be placed upon him, isn't it? I want to give you, oh, there's a a scripture there that really highlights what it looks like when we're bearing the weight, when we're carrying the cross only Jesus was meant to carry. Psalm 32, verses 2 through 5. When I kept silent about my sins, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's a perfect picture of what it's like when we've started to carry the cross that was only meant for Jesus. I want to give you a couple of minutes. What are you carrying tonight that only Jesus is really able to carry? Um, I want to give you a moment to ponder that before we move on from this into the next part and look at the paradox part. What are you carrying tonight? Friends, it's often I find that there's, we get into this place where we don't even realize, you know what, I'm carrying this. And so may the Spirit of God just speak to you tonight. What are you carrying? What are you carrying that only Jesus is really capable of doing? And then as that comes to your mind, I just have a a two-sentence prayer here. Lord, I've not been fully honest about. Tonight, may your spirit let me see it and face it for what it is, and I confess it to you. Okay, take a moment, take a couple of minutes, and work through that in your heart before we move into the next part of tonight. Lord, tonight, after all you've, all you have been through, why would we ever want to carry our own cross? And often we do. Sometimes we don't even realize it and we need a night like tonight and a couple of moments of reflection to, to see what's weighing on us that isn't meant to weigh on us and we're to hand it over to you. And so tonight, we just want to be fully honest about that thing you brought to our mind and our heart tonight. We're willing to fully face it and see it for what it is. Lord, we confess it to you now. Amen. Amen.
Well, not only is there a cross that only Jesus can carry, there's actually a cross that he has asked us to carry. Did you know that? There's a cross that he asks us to carry, and this is a bit of where the paradox of, I think, Good Friday comes in play. In Luke chapter 9, verses 21 to 23, the scripture says this, Jesus uh, strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And then he said this, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You see, he was telling them (laughs) of what was to come. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Then he defines even what that is like. They must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. There's a cross that he asks us to carry, to take up our cross daily and to follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Do you see he's, he's telling them this is what's going to happen. I am going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected by the religious leadership, by the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and they're going to kill me. And then, afterwards, then I'll be raised. And connected to that, he says, there's a cross I want you to carry. There's a cross I want you to carry. The great paradox of Good Friday is that suffering and pain and difficulty yields what? It yields life. It yields life. It was necessary for Jesus to suffer. And on the other side of that suffering is life. What does suffering usually lead to in our hearts? Let's be honest. Think of the most recent thing that you are undergoing that's difficult. What tragedy is most recent to you right now in your life? What pain are you going through? What relational difficulty are you facing? Those difficulties often lead us to what? Anger, frustration, disillusionment, hopelessness, cynicism, oftentimes even broken trust towards God. God, why am I going through? through this difficulty, right? How could this crazy out of control thing called Good Friday be a part of God's plan? How could it be his plan that he, that the son of God would suffer like this? How could it be God's plan that I would suffer in all of these various kinds of very human difficulties? And is that the plan, God, that as I suffer, that you would then bring life out of that? Isn't that the great paradox of Good Friday? That out of suffering, he uses it to bring about the greatest things in life. And didn't he use the suffering of Jesus to bring about the greatest thing that the world has ever known? Yes. Yes, there was a cross that only Jesus could carry. There's a cross that he asked us to carry. And that cross that he asked us to carry is that we would die to ourselves. 
that when the unexpected of life happen, our broken dreams happen, the injustices of our own life happens, we would say, instead of shunning those things, say, God, how do you want to use these things? That's Good Friday, friends. And without that suffering that we go through in life, isn't it true that we would remain self-centered people? We would. It's true. It's true. Pastor Jim talked on this past Sunday on Palm Sunday about how was it that the crowds flipped so quickly? How did they flip from Hosanna in the highest, the king is coming, to crucify him, crucify him? It was their broken expectations. That's what Pastor Jim shared last Sunday. It was their broken expectations. And in our suffering, isn't that what always happens? Our expectations are broken. Our expectations of God, why am I going through this? Why is it like this? This shouldn't be this hard. Our broken expectations of other people, maybe even who we thought we were. I thought I was better than this. How did I end up doing this horrible thing? One pastor says it this way, what have I ever lost from dying? What have I ever really lost from dying? And in all those moments of our life where we would tend to react and come against it, what if we died to ourself? Our heart would open up again. That's what it means to carry our cross. We would realize that even when we've died, what have we ever really lost? Because at the end of letting something go, isn't there freedom? At the end of letting go of why did this tragedy happen? Isn't there freedom? We may never know. I don't always understand why. But there's freedom there when we let go. The reality is this. If we do not let the cross that we are asked to carry transform our pain and suffering, and turn it into something wonderful. And you can be sure that we will transmit it to others. If we don't let the cross we're asked to carry transform our pain and our suffering and our difficulty and turn it into something good, just like what Good Friday does and leads to Easter, we're going to transmit it to others. Before we have our time of communion, I want to leave you with this quiet reflection. Right now in your life, what is the cross that Jesus is asking you to carry? What's he asking you to accept and carry in your life? I want you to ponder that for a moment. And when you're ready, then in your heart, just pray this prayer on the screen. Take a moment for that. Would you pray that prayer out loud with me? Let's pray it together. When we get to the blank, we'll just pause for one moment and then move on. Let's pray that together. Jesus, I receive the suffering and hardship of as the cross I am to carry to bring me to the end of myself. Help me in my hurt, suffering, and confusion to not reject the paradox of the cross. Amen.